Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. Uh, will you open up your Bibles this morning to Psalm 23? Psalm 23. We've been in a series called Psalms for the Summer. Amen. We've been going through different Psalms um, throughout the Scripture. How many of you have ever read all the Psalms? Anybody in the room ever read all the Psalms? This is there's no condemnation if you haven't. Not everybody has. No big deal. It's okay. I encourage you at some point in time take some time read through some of the Psalms. They're incredible prayers, incredible Psalms written by David and some other authors. And I'm telling you, they're just really, really good. They will bring peace and comfort into your life. And we've been going through different ones that just the Lord's been putting on my heart. Um, and today we're reading from Psalm 23. This is a very, very familiar psalm, okay? And one day I think I'm just going to come in here. I might go, go ahead and go eight weeks with this. And I'm going to come in here and just throw a big curveball at you, like a psalm that you've never heard of. And be like, what? I've never, I've never seen this one. But this morning we're going to go with one that we know very well. And uh, even if you haven't read all the psalms, you've probably heard this psalm. You've probably heard this psalm sung. Uh, there's a great song by uh, People in Songs uh, called Psalm 23, I'm Not Alone. Uh, and it's incredible. It is written straight from this. I love to do all the ad-lib parts that I cannot do at all, but it's fun to do in the car. Uh, it's hilarious. And maybe one day we'll just, I'll just do a whole special for you where I will just pantomime the whole song for you guys. But uh, we op- if you're there, I want you to open up to Psalm 23. We're in verse 1 is what we're going to read from. And we're going to start there. And it says this, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I want you to understand for a second. And I, this is kind of, I don't even think I put this in my notes. But the paths of righteousness that you walk down and the success that you see is not for your namesake. It should always be to the glory and to God. Amen? No matter what you find your hand doing, whether it be working in a corporate world, whether it be working in a, uh, as a, uh, a blue-collar worker, whether it's working with children, whether it's teaching in a classroom, or coaching football, or coaching soccer, or doing teaching, doing coaching, I don't know, is it coaching ballet, teaching ballet, whatever it is, whether it's teaching a jazz class, I, my, my sister was a competition dancer, so I got to throw that in there. Whatever you find yourself doing, everything that you do is not for your own namesake, and it should always be in the forefront of our mind that what I'm doing currently and what I'm doing now is not for my glory, but it's for his glory. Amen? Let's keep going. Verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We were singing about this this morning. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, we sang about this last week. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all. Somebody say all. That word all is a long word. It's a short letter word, but it is a long word. All 
the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you for anointing us here. Thank you that your spirit is here ministering to hearts, souls, minds, and body. Holy Spirit, I ask that you anoint my tongue as a ready and skillful writer to speak only what you want said today by the unction of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for every ear that's here that's listening and every heart that is represented. I thank you, Lord, that this word is heard, it is received, and it changes and transforms us more into the image of Christ. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen, amen. The first thing we see in this text, now I'm going to kind of, this is kind of like expository preaching and teaching today. We're going to kind of break this text down, okay? The first thing that we see is this, the Lord is my shepherd. What does this indicate? This indicates to us that this is very simple. Jesus wants to be your shepherd, which means this, you are a sheep. Everybody say, bah. Yeah, you're a sheep, okay? Like, like, I know we don't want to hear that, but listen. The Lord, this, this is figurative, figuratively. The Lord is our shepherd. We are sheep. And the scripture talks about it. And Jesus, whenever he's actually walking around, we may have time to talk about this a little bit later. In John 10, it, Jesus even talks about it in that way. He talks about himself as the shepherd. He talks about himself as a door. He talks about people as the sheep. And so the Lord, though, listen, he wants to be your shepherd. But listen to me. He can only be within our lives what we allow him to be. Okay? Jesus is not going to be your shepherd if you don't want him to be your shepherd. Let's go a little bit further in this, if we can. Because his will is to shepherd us. However, it only takes place within the lives of those who receive him in that capacity. Whenever we look at it in that framework of mind, I want you to think about this. That means you can only receive Jesus as your healer if you actually acknowledge him as what? Healer. If you think that Jesus can't heal you and he can't be your healer, then you will never receive of the healing anointing. You go, well, pastor, that doesn't sound like Jesus. Well, the scripture says that they limited the Holy One of Israel when it's talking about the Israelites. They did not remember his power, which means this. They did not acknowledge him as a God that could fight with them and for them and give them the victory in Jericho. So what they did is they had to wander in the desert for a long time and they all had to die because they would not receive the power of victory that, Holy, that God gave them, the Holy One of Israel gave them in those moments. So listen, you must always remember who Jesus is in your life. He he is your healer. He is your deliverer. He is your restorer. He is your savior. He is your victory. He is your provider. He is everything. He is all these things. And whenever we stop remembering his benefits, forget not his benefits is what it says. And listen, these are the benefits of having Jesus as your shepherd. When you have Jesus as your shepherd, you have Jesus as all these other things. And that's literally what the scripture is talking about. We're going to get into, and I don't think we're going to have time to get into it today. We may have to do two weeks on this scripture because it's deep. But I want you to hear me that whenever you are actually acknowledging, first you've got to acknowledge him as the shepherd, which means this before you can acknowledge him as the shepherd, shepherd, not the shepherd, the shepherd, you have to acknowledge him as your savior. Acknowledging him as savior makes him your shepherd. So first you got to say, Jesus, I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. That's how the scripture, we have made receiving Jesus some really religious altar call moment. And I, I'm telling you, there can, be, uh, there can be salvation take place in the crack house. The scripture does not say, come to the altar 
of a church gathering and have the pastor lead you in the sinner's prayer. As a matter of fact, I'll be real honest with you. It's very seldom at our church that I do a formal altar call and ask people to come forward. You know what I do at the end of service? I give you the opportunity. There's ministry teams here. They'd love to pray that with you because that's a personal decision. I don't want anybody to feel like their arm is getting twisted to get saved. This is a decision you make because it's salvation and then relationship. And that's where the shepherding comes in play. Is whenever you get saved, and I said all that just a minute ago to say this. If you came in here today, you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can do it right now. The Bible says believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Saved. Simple. Now we need to repent of our sins. We need to turn from those things. Walk the other way. But guess what? That's a process. Anybody who thinks you're just going to walk to an altar, get saved, and walk out, everything has changed in your life, and you are never going to deal with sin or temptation. Listen, I've been saved. How old am I? I don't know. I've been saved since I can remember life. I think I got saved in the womb, y'all. I'm just saying. My mom led me in the sinner's prayer. Believe in your heart. She laid hands on me. All right? I've been saved since I can remember. I've also sinned. I've also dealt with temptation in my life. And I've had to repent of those things, turn from those wicked ways. And because salvation is something you walk out with fear and trembling. It's something you walk out daily. It's not just something I said, yes, Lord, everything's good. Like, you don't all of a sudden turn into the Lego movie. Everything is awesome. Everything is good when we're part of a team. Because we're all saved. We're living the dream. No, Jesus told us that in this world, you'll have trials and tribulations. But he says this, of the people who are saved, do what? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, which means this, the same spirit that raised Christ. I am way off topic, but this is good. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is now living and dwelling within you, which means this, because he overcame the world, you now have the power living and dwelling within your mortal body to overcome any temptation, any attack of the enemy that comes your way, you can have victory over. Where's it all start at? Salvation and shepherding. A lot of people want the salvation, but not many people want the shepherding. We'll talk about some people. I don't know what that means, but it sounds deep. He used alliteration. Shepherding is relational. Shepherding is correctional. Sheep are dumb. (laughs) You're not dumb. Sheep are dumb. They will literally follow anything right off a cliff, any which way. They're not the brightest animals. And that's why you need a shepherd. Because guess what? There are times in your life, you may not be right now, maybe you are, where you make dumb decisions. And you start going down wrong paths that God never wanted you to go down and doing things that he never wanted for you and you start accepting things in your life that were not of him and he does not want for you and you know what happens that's whenever just like whenever David goes and 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 fights uh, uh, the lion and the bear from his sheep right David what's the Bible say about David David's a man after God's own heart David was a shepherd 
Hmm. David, whenever shep, whenever a sheep would go astray, though, you know what David did? He would, uh, it talks about Jesus, uh, God said he leaves the 99 for the one, right? That's what David did. David goes after the sheep that's being attacked by the lion, beats up the lion, throws the elbow drop, one, two, three, victory David, right? And then the bear comes, and then David pulls out the people's elbow, the rock, you know what I'm saying? And then drops the elbow drop on him, wins one, two, three. And he goes after the sheep. Listen to me, whenever you are doing dumb things, God is still going after you. Even whenever you find yourself, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Men, you may not be as familiar with this. Ladies are probably a little bit more familiar. Men, you should do this a little more often. But whenever you have to prepare the table, you have to be present. We don't have robots that do that yet. Keyword yet. I don't know if I want that. Anybody seen the movie iRobot? Uh, I'm just joking. Just joking. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, y'all, okay? I'm, some of y'all went poof. Listen, you have to be there. You have to be present in order to prepare the table. That means this. I'm, I'm, what am I saying? I'm saying this. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying that. <laughs> I'm talking a lot. I'm all over the place this morning, but I'm saying that whenever the enemy comes after you, God shows up where you are and sets the table and says, here, son, here, daughter, you sit and you just feast for a moment. You eat of the goodness that I have for you. And the thing that you've been walking towards, see, huh, geez, Louise, I'm all over the place today. If I'm walking and there's a table in front of me, all of a sudden the table becomes the blockade between me and what the enemy's trying to do. So when the enemy creates the table in the, sorry camera people, but whenever the enemy creates the table for you in the presence of your enemies, you're walking around the separate dumb path that you found yourself on because you started following the wrong voices. You started following people that were not righteous, people that are not in righteousness, people that are telling you to go do this, to go sin and go do all these different things, to fall into the traps of the enemy. You're walking and just on your way, about to go do this now. And then the God shows up right before hell grass and prepares a table a blockade from what the enemy is trying to do it says sit your butt down and eat of the goodness that I have for you because that is not what I have for you this is what I have for you here and now so stop what you're doing and eat and then see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living I'm all over text I'm jumping everywhere you can search all these scriptures later I'm just quoting a bunch of scripture right now he wants to be your shepherd. That's where we were. You only receive from the Father what you receive him as. Shepherd defined means this. To tend to a flock. To pasture it or to rule. You've got to choose to make him your ruler. You've got to choose to be a part of the flock or the people of God. These are choices that you have to make. Now, the first principle that he brings out after that, though, after he says, the Lord is my shepherd, what's he say? He says, I shall not want. Receiving Jesus as your shepherd will remove the need for other things that you have always. I'm not saying that you'll never want. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm say want. I'm not saying you aren't going to want a new pair of shoes. 
right? Like these are just things that you, you'd like to have. I'm not saying you're never going to want to go to Burger King. Maybe you never want to go to Burger King, but maybe somebody in this room, I know a lot of crusty word of mouth people are really upset. We're getting another Burger King. You know what? I'm fine with it. Okay. But anyways, uh, maybe you, you don't, maybe you'll want today to go to Chili's. Amen. Somebody want to go to Chili's and we're going to Chili's. I'm not saying that those kind of wants are not there. Okay. Or needs for food. You need to eat. What I'm saying is you are not going to be begging for things. That want and the need gets removed from your life because you realize that he can provide everything and anything that I need. There's a difference between I want and I need. And he removes the need from your life. The Bible says like this in Psalm 37. David again says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. He can be your provider. He promises us to be provider for us, but we have to receive him in that way. Psalm uh, 34, 10 says this, they that seek the Lord will not want any good thing. And that doesn't mean you don't want like things that are good. It's just saying you're not always going to be wanting for things if you're constantly seeking the Lord, because the Bible says this, uh, seek the Lord and his righteousness. And what's it say? And all these things... You won't want for any good thing whenever you're seeking the Lord because whenever you seek the Lord and his righteousness, all those things will be added unto you. So it's important that we are always constantly, our mindset is not on seeking the thing, it's on seeking the Lord and then the thing comes. I'm going to say that again, okay? Somebody needs to hear that today. Stop seeking after the thing. Stop seeking after the husband. Stop seeking after the wife. And seek the Lord. Stop seeking after the perfect house and seek the Lord. Stop seeking after the perfect car and seek the Lord. Stop seeking after the perfect job and seek the Lord. I'm not saying don't keep your eyes open and looking around, but don't make that your objective in everyday life. And some of us have gotten things so out of order where we are just seeking after that thing and it's become so hungry for us that we stop going to church because we're too busy. Y'all want me to go there this morning? He said, Pastor, stay in your lane. Huh? You know what pastors do? Shepherd. They shepherd. Because as, as, as much as the shepherd corrects the sheep, he loves the sheep all the more. And the reason he corrects is because he does love. So the reason I say this is not from a, a, a spirit of condemnation. This is a spirit of, of, listen to me, it's correctional love. We make it our one thing, and we are so busy. Well, there's open houses today, so I can't go to church. We stop seeking the Lord because we're seeking after the house. Well, I can't. I overslept my alarm because I was out at the bar too long last night looking for a man or a woman. Huh? Hmm? Didn't get home till 1 or 2 a.m., overslept my alarm, can't go to church. You know what the problem is? You're not seeking the Lord. All these things will be added unto you whenever you seek the Lord. Get your priorities in order, amen? They that seek the Lord will not want any good thing. Y'all are lucky today because my iPad battery is low, and that means I have to end early. <laughs> I, I don't need notes. 
Seek means to follow. Those who allow the Lord to be their shepherd will always follow the shepherd. Now I'm going to give you real quickly the primary functions of the shepherd. Primary functions of the shepherd are these things. To lead and guide. To lead and guide. Second thing is to feed and nourish. If you're writing these down, I'm just just slowing down a little bit so you can type these. Everybody else just stare at me. (laughs) Protect and preserve. I'm going to give you an old youth quote real quickly. Note takers are history makers, okay? And lastly, restore and comfort. Lead and guide. Feed and nourish. Nourish, I said nourish. Protect and preserve. And restore and comfort. Those are the primary functions of the shepherd. I'm going to reemphasize this. The Lord wants to do all these things for you, but you have to allow him to be able to do it. Stop trying to take control and let the Lord do these things. Stop trying to protect everything yourself. Let the Lord do these things. Stop trying to feed and nourish your whole family yourself. Let the Lord do that. I'm not saying don't go to the grocery store family. I'm just saying that don't try, don't try to, to overwork and do these things, but then also your family is actually malnourished in the way of family time and quality time and the needs that are there amen you know you need all these different things that's another way of feed and nourishing don't think it's just with food it's also with time and love and resources abilities amen now how does the lord shepherd us well i'll give you a few ways that he does that one is the word of god second timothy three sixteen t- admonishes us in this not all of us like this but it's the truth all scripture somebody say all scripture All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. If you ask me, that sounds like shepherding. So all scripture is used to shepherd us on the ways of the Lord, amen, and training in righteousness. The next thing would be this, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I talked a little bit about this last week, but I view the Holy Spirit like an alarm clock. You know what I'm talking about? The alarm clock goes off. You have the choice whether to turn it off. And mute it. And guess what? It's really going to get annoying. It's going to keep going off every 10 minutes, right? Snooze. Beep, 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 beep. Or you can be like me, like this morning the alarm went off. I set my alarm for six. I wanted to look over my notes again this morning. And uh, I said, Alexa, off. Back to sleep. And then I got up at 6.35 and, Pastor Chelsea, baby, why didn't you you wake me up? I, I need to get up. Don't turn off your Holy Spirit alarm clock, okay? If you turn off your Holy Spirit alarm clock, be praying because you might be uh, 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 numb to the Holy Spirit's promptings. I heard Jensen Franklin say it like this one time. He said, be thankful that you feel your toes getting stepped on by the Holy Spirit because that means he hasn't left you. So whenever preaching and teaching is going forth and you feel that little bit of toe stomping, a little bit of correction coming. Don't push it away. Invite it. Be thankful that that's taking place and the Holy Spirit speaking to you in that moment and begin to ask the Lord, how can I change this in my life? Amen? So, the Holy Spirit's our alarm clock. Don't snooze it. Don't turn it off. Answer it and change. Next thing is this, the fivefold ministries. Now, these are the ways that the Lord shepherds us through the fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, uh, pastors, and teachers. Okay? So, pastor literally means shepherd. Literally means to shepherd. I talked a little bit about this. Jesus is the great shepherd, and pastors are under shepherds. Okay? We have a great shepherd. I have a great shepherd, and I also have 
shepherds in my life. I'm not just a lone ranger out here. There are people I, that hold me accountable in what I preach, what I teach, and also in a personal, on a personal level, too. I have many people that have been, that are integritous people that have been in ministry for years and years and years. You know, I am very careful. We are very careful, even as a church, who we even allow to stand and preach in the pulpit. You want to know why? Because integrity is important. And if you're not integritous, you're probably not going to step in this pulpit and preach. Because we, we value that. We value, if, if you don't share our beliefs, I'm probably not going to let you preach on a Sunday morning to our congregation. I can love you, but that doesn't mean you're going to have the ability to shepherd and speak into the, 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 the flock of this house. Amen? And that's important to, to listen to me. Whenever you are attending a church, that's important to know about. I really believe that. Because the Bible talks about not being, there's a reason it talks about not being uh, uh, blown uh, back and forth with every wind of doctrine. Because there are some people who don't know the word but still get to preach. And there are some people, and listen, I'm not saying I've come into all knowledge of scripture because I have not, okay? As a matter of fact, I joke sometimes, there's things that I preached five, six, seven years ago that I go, why did I say that? I don't even believe that now. I didn't even have the fullness of revelation knowledge of the scripture at that moment. I didn't, I didn't understand that scripture in that way yet. And I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit convicts us and speaks to us even as pastors. And, you know, I believe it's important that as a pastor, if you do mess up, you repent. You apologize to your congregation. You apologize to your members that you may have offended with words that you said or things that you did. Those things are important. Amen. Why are they important? Because pastors, I, man, I would love to just preach to pastors on this. Pastors are an extension of his shepherding within the earth. So how are you representing how he shepherds? And I'm be real honest in this church, and this is no condemnation to anyone that's out there, but I have seen people that have not properly represented shepherding of Father God. And I, I fully believe some of it is because, not because they're not anointed people, but they believe there's something they're not. They're not a pastor. You're an evangelist. Listen, I've said it like this before. If you want to preach, do not become a pastor. Do not. Okay? We go, well, pastor, you get to preach every week. Yeah, I do. I also love it when other people preach because I like a break. You know who really like to preach? Evangelists. If you want to preach, become an evangelist. Do not become a pastor. Pastors have to do the dirty work. Pastors actually have to love people. Evangelists get to blow in, blow up, and blow out. And there are times the Lord gives me that evangelistic anointing whenever we travel. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to blow in here. I'm going to blow some things up. And then, peace. Never want to have me back? See ya. <laughs> Don't matter. But then if we travel, if it's places like that, we travel often, like more pastoral, you know, we got to go and love people because we got to be back eventually. <laughs> Pastors got to love people. Pastors actually have to care for people. Pastors have to love people even whenever people don't love them. Evangelists don't necessarily have to do that as much. I mean, you should because that's what Jesus taught us to do, right? But pastors, you have to see these people every week. Listen to me. If you can't, oh, 
If you can't apologize, you might not need to be pastoring. If you can't love people whenever they're lying about you and not speaking truth about you, you might should not be pastoring those people. If you tell people to go somewhere else because you don't agree on something or see differently, it might not be what you're anointed to do. Pastoring might not be what you're anointed to do. I don't know why I'm saying this this morning, but it's good. And it's truth of the word of God, okay? This is not just me speaking, okay? Pastors ought to be the greatest showing of shepherding in the earth. Correction, but also love, care. Pastor Chelsea and I, we love the people of this church. Do we agree on everything? I guarantee you not. I guarantee you there are people in this room right now that we probably have different views on parenting. We probably have different views politically. We probably have different issues, huh? Sports teams. Go Knowles. Bless God. Oh, I can't stop it. I can't stop it. <laughs> like, we, 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 we have different viewpoints. That's okay. We, you might say, my dad's always said, you say tomato, I say tomato. I don't know who says tomato, but <laughs> you say potato, I say potato. Who says potato? No, nobody says potato anymore, okay? Like, <laughs> we might view things differently, but listen, pastors, you got, we got to push through those things, love people, care about people, even in our big differences and our small differences. That's, maybe I said that this morning because I just want you to know. I think maybe that's this is why the Holy Spirit put on my heart to say it. I want you to know how much Pastor Chelsea and I deeply love all of you. So much. And there is, we prayed over this this morning in our vision team rally. And this has been something that the Holy Spirit put on my heart all of a sudden. About our church being such a place of unity. I don't want division among our body at all. Now that doesn't mean, once again, that we view things differently. As a matter of fact, one of the most beautiful places of unity is difference. The fact that we can be different but united is the most beautiful showing forth of unity. It's the most beautiful showing forth in heaven because guess what? In heaven, not everyone's white. In heaven, not everyone's black. And not, in heaven, not everybody's Latino. Not everybody's, it, everyone's different. People, I, matter of fact, we, were, we just went to a, a concert this week, this, over this past week, and I was sitting there for a moment, I was looking out, and I looked at Pastor Chelsea, and I said, it is incredible how different every single person looks in this room. And there's thousands of people. Not a single person even looks similar. And I began to think about it, and I began to think about heaven in that moment, and this, this is what heaven's going to look like. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. People who don't even live... <laughs> Heaven's not going to be divided into countries. Guess what? There's going to be people who used to be Muslims praising the Lord right next to you. So get over yourself. 
But I want you to know today that you're loved, you're cared for in this church body. Amen. I need to keep going because I'm just talking now. I'm just, I'm just loving on you. I'm just, that's all I'm doing now. But Jeremiah 3.15 says this, I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. According to my own heart. According to my heart is what he says. Once again, pastors should be, show forth the example of the heart of God. Amen. Are y'all still with me? Can y'all stay with me for a few more minutes? I'm not going to keep you too much longer, okay? The next thing that he does, though, is he leads and guides us. He leads and he guides us. Where's he lead? He's leading and guide us to lie down in green pastures and beside the still waters, which we're going to get to next week. We're not going to get there today. Lead and guide. It's, Jesus talks a little bit about this. He talks about voices in John 10. And we're not going to turn there this morning. But it talks about following the voice of the good shepherd versus the voice of the thief. The scripture says, The thief cometh to still, kill, and destroy. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, or abundant life. So Jesus connects abundant life, okay, with the following of the good shepherd's voice. Where you will find life and life more abundantly is following the voice of the good shepherd. Outside of that, and this is where you want to you really note this today, is Jesus is not as much talking about the thief being the devil. It's really the voices that are in your life that are not echoing heaven, that are not echoing righteousness. Those are the ones that you really need to be careful when listening to and try what they're saying and where they're leading you with the word of God. The thief is failure to follow the word of God, the Holy Spirit, and spiritual authority, all three of them. The thief is following the wrong voice. Following the voice of a stranger is not merely heeding the voice of demons or the devil. Because listen, I'm convinced that nine times out of ten, I'm going further than that, I'm convinced 99% of the time, the paths of unrighteousness you find yourself on are not because of the voice of the devil at all. It's because of the voice of your flesh. Now, I'm not saying that temptation is not influenced by the voice of the enemy and by, by demonic principalities and powers, because I believe in those things, that we need to pray and war against those things. But what I am saying is this, is that oftentimes it's just listening to the wrong people in your life, which is the flesh, okay? Everybody's led by something, okay? Everybody's led by something. And we're either, the, the Bible says like this, walk in the spirit so you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So it's showing us the two ways that often many of us follow. We either have the voice of the spirit, the ways of the spirit, the ways of the Lord, or we have the ways of our flesh. And listen, if the voices you are listening to are not following the voice of the spirit, that means they're following the voice of the flesh which means guess where they're going to lead you down the paths of the flesh and unrighteousness but the voice of the spirit and the voice of the good shepherd and those that are also following the good shepherd that are giving you sound counsel be careful the voices you listen to whenever you're going for counsel pam at work who does knows nothing about god does not follow his voice is probably not the best person to go to whenever you're seeking whenever you're wanting to vent about your marriage 
Because it's very probable, well, Pam hears that your husband has been rude lately and maybe been snippy. And so Pam immediately goes, you need to divorce that man. Girl, you better get gone. <laughs> My wife told me to stop. <laughs> your wife isn't, you're having marriage problems because of um, intimate life and you decide to go to Steve at work Steve this is what's been going on my wife we haven't been you know knowing each other and uh, Steve goes what's knowing and you're like well in the Bible it says well we haven't and so Steve's like man if she ain't gonna you know then you better find something else what I'm saying in this is this everyone is led by something and you know what Pastor Mike is going to tell you in those scenarios? Y'all need to communicate and talk about it. You want to come and meet together about this situation that you're having in your marriage? This isn't, don't divorce each other because you have a disagreement, because there's not enough intimacy going on, or there's, there's, you've been a little bit rude, but what's been going on? Well, I understand those things, but it doesn't give you the right to be rude, snippy, and all these different things. You need to work on yourself. You need to be more peaceable. You need more loving in the way that you speak. You need to example Christ to your wife. These are the counsel you're going to get from people of righteousness. Now, please hear me today. There is no condemnation to anyone who's had a divorce. Okay? I always like to balance it with this. And also, there are biblical grounds for divorce. Okay? There are biblical grounds for divorce. And there are times that it is biblical to leave. And we always, our prayer is reconciliation. Our prayer is always healing. Our prayer is always for, to try to work through things if both sides are willing to in those situations. But listen to me. Because you had a spat doesn't mean you leave. Okay? <laughs> I really want to go off with this for a minute. Because some people, well, you shouldn't argue in front of your children. Well, if you don't argue in front of your children, you won't show them that it's okay for mom and dad to disagree on a thing or two, but still come together at the end of the day and love one, each other, love one another and be united. Now, I'm not saying get ugly and call each other names, because you shouldn't be doing that anyways. I'm not saying be down, you know, gloves off, but I'm going to be honest with you. Our kids have seen us disagree numerous times. And you know what our kids have learned? That mom and dad love each other through thick and thin, no matter what is going on, through the highs, the lows. We are, we are perfect. We are becoming perfected into the image of Christ whenever we're disagreeing with one another because there's got to be unity that comes back to always so if you're having those issues and family issues man follow the voice of those that will counsel through the voice of his spirit amen if you get some sort of counsel let me just tell you test it through the word of God don't just run with it amen Okay, I promise you, I'm coming to a close one day. Uh, Psalm 23, we're still there, right? Yep, that's where we're at. So David wrote Psalm 23, and I promise you, this, we're, we're coming to, uh, land of gears coming out. Psalm 23, how did he make the Lord a shepherd? How did David make the Lord a shepherd? Well, here's a few ways real quickly, and I'll give you the text for these. You can write these down. 1 Samuel 22, 1 through 5, David heeds the voice of the prophet Gad. So Gad was a prophet. 
from the school of the prophets that was sent to David by Samuel when David was in exile running from Saul. So here we go. We have the voice of the prophetic. We're, we're, seeing, that, we're, we're seeing the shepherding take place. We're seeing the, the, the fivefold ministry uh, take place, right? And then in 2 Samuel 24, 11 through 25, we see David again heeding the voice of the prophet. Once again, Gad comes to him and says to do these things and actually says in the scripture, so David, according to the word of God, went up as the Lord commanded. Then we see in 1 Samuel 22 through 20 and 23, Abiathar joins himself with David. Abiathar was a priest or a preacher, okay? So he was this. So listen, all that to say this. It is after Gad and Abiathar join themselves with David that we see David begin to inquire of the Lord. This is the marriage of the priest and the prophet because in the old covenant no one had direct communication with the Lord other than the prophet and the priest was the mediator between the people of the Lord and the prophet was the voice of the Lord of the earth so it was like this um, telephone so it's like Gad gets the word gives it and then and then David gets the word uh, gives it to Abiathar and David gets the word so it's whenever the priest and the prophet come together that that is whenever he begins to inquire of the Lord. So the point is that direction comes to David after the priest and the prophet, not before. So the New Testament application for you now is this. The scripture says that we are now priests. But listen, we're not all prophets, meaning this. Everyone, we, we, you know this is a high praise. We believe everybody can prophesy, but that doesn't make you a prophet. Prophet is one of the fivefold ministry gifts. Prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Okay? So we believe everyone can prophesy the testimony of Jesus, right? But not everybody sits in the seat of a prophet. But you are a priest, according to the scripture. So Jesus is our high priest, but there's still prophets, the fivefold ministry in the body of Christ. And that means this, we still need both today. Amen? Amen. Yeah, you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes that voice is also expressed through the extensions of Jesus' ministry within the earth. Pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, so on and so forth. Why is this? Why is it expressed in that way? Because, listen, you want to listen to this. We are not independent members of the body of Christ. We are interdependent members of the body of Christ. Every joint supplies. He gave to us the fivefold ministry. Because we are interdependent members, not independent members. It's the banana that gets separated from the bunch that gets peeled and eaten. Okay? So you want to do everything your own way and the way that you feel in your flesh, you're going to get peeled and eaten if you, by the enemy. <laughs> but listen to me. If you want to walk in the path of righteousness, you need community. You need people. You need the fivefold ministry in your life. Amen? This is the very last thing I promise you. How do we apply these principles? Next week, we're going to talk about the manifold blessing of making him shepherd, which is what David talks about, actually, in the fullness of this text. We've literally just talked about making him shepherd today, which is very good and very important. How do we apply these principles? How do we make Jesus fully shepherd in our life? How do we allow him to shepherd this? Four things. One, be faithful to study. Every day, set time aside to read the Word or a Bible-based book, something biblically principled. Take some time daily to do those things. Because in Psalms 119.105, it says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You want to go on the path of righteousness and be led by the Spirit, you've got to know the word of God because his word's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Amen? Amen. 
And I encourage you to particularly take time to read the Gospels, the words of Jesus. Jesus is the Word made flesh, which means this. The things that Jesus is speaking is the things that we ought to be living. Okay? Next thing is this. Faithful to pray. Jesus taught us how to pray. We had a whole series on that. If you didn't hear that series, go and listen to the podcast. All the, uh, uh, the messages there uh, are there. I think the title of that series was This is the Way. And you can find all those. And I encourage you, jump into those podcasts whenever you're working and things like that. Um, and just be reminded of how to pray at times. We need that reminder from time to time. Amen. And, and one of those ways is to pray in the Spirit. In the Spirit, He speaks mysteries is what the Scripture says. And so now that which was concealed becomes revealed whenever we pray in the Spirit. It brings revelation knowledge. Third thing is this. I encourage you to be faithful to church. That's a great way to be shepherded. Amen? Uh, You have to be in church uh, because if you're not in church, you're probably not going to hear the shepherd that you are. Once again, pastors are shepherds. So you're not going to get the opportunity to hear the shepherd of the house's voice speak into your life and, you know, talk about some of the things we talked about this morning. So you need to be in church. Notice at the end of the scripture says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's important to be in church. Receiving the Lord as your shepherd involves going to church, getting plugged in, and getting planted. Not just showing up every blue moon or when the sky is right, but rather being planted in the house of the Lord. Amen? And last thing is this. Be faithful to heed counsel. Something none of us want to hear. Be faithful to heed counsel. I talked a little bit about this already. But listen, whenever you heed biblical counsel, don't do the opposite. Do what the Word says. I know your flesh may be saying, no, I want to go do this. But if the scripture is saying, no, go do this, don't follow your flesh. Don't follow just what you're wanting to do, plain and simple. Well, I just feel really anxious about the situation. Well, the scripture's already spoken on the situation. Well, I feel real fearful about stepping out and, and, and doing that, Pastor, because, you know, I, I just don't think, it, I don't think I can overcome that. Well, the scripture's already spoken of you that, that fear is not your portion. Like, he's giving you power, love, and a sound mind. Right? Like, these are things that we need to remind ourselves of. And whenever you're, whenever you're heeding counsel, I know from Pastor Chelsea and I, we always come back to the Scripture. And I'm going to be real honest and real vulnerable real quickly. There have been times in our life where we've been given counsel and we have felt like, I don't know what to say right now. <laughs> so you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray on this. And there have been times where we've said, we don't feel like we can even counsel this situation. We feel like there's... We need to call in reinforcements for lack of better words. And I say that just to let you know that we are never people that are just quick to give counsel. Like, oh yeah, well you need to do this, 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 and this, and this. We really seek the Lord about your situation. And because we love you and we believe in shepherding you properly and being the proper extension of Jesus to your life. Amen? But I do want to say this. Unwillingness to listen to the manif- it is the manifestation of pride. And unwillingness to bend. If you go study the uh, wheat and the tares. Anybody know the parable of the wheat and the tares? Yeah. If you go study actually wheat and tares, you know what one of the characteristics to tell the difference between wheat and tare is? Wheat bends. Wheat is pliable. Tares are not. They grow straight up. The tare is straight. What am I saying? I'm saying you have got to be willing to. To bend. That's a characteristic of the wheat. You got to be willing. If you want to be faithful, you want to be fruitful, then you got to be willing to heed counsel and change into whom God is calling you to become. Paul said it like this Follow me as I follow Christ. Ms. Donna, will you come play, please?
today, I just want, I just want you today to make a fresh commitment to make Jesus shepherd of your life. I believe it's important that we do that often, that it's not just a one-day choice. I said this in the beginning of the message. It's not just beginning of the year, whenever you're getting everything in order, well, I make Jesus my shepherd, and then forget about it a week later. It is a daily decision to wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, you are shepherd over my life. Do you have to say it every morning you wake up? No, but maybe you need to. Maybe you need to write it down on your mirror, put a little sticky note just to remind yourself that Jesus is my good shepherd today. He's going to lead me in all these things. And I just open myself up to the correction of the Holy Spirit and conviction of the Holy Spirit today. And Lord, I ask you to you know, move in my life. Maybe you need to make that a prayer every morning. Maybe you don't. Maybe just remembering, just going, Lord, you're my good shepherd. Just remember that. But I want all of us today, however that looks for you personally, you know what you need to do. I want everyone in this room today to just make that fresh commitment that Jesus you are the shepherd over my life. You will lead and you will guide me. And one of the greatest things is this, when you're making that decision, is understanding, number one, it's a pathway to life and blessing. But, but also is this, asking him to lead you requires your trust in him fully, not in yourself. Because you're not leading yourself he is now leading you. And I think today we just need to renew our trust in the Lord, renew our faith in Him, and confess Him as the Good Shepherd once again. Will you stand to your feet this morning? And once you do, I just want you to lift your hands into the Lord, if you will. And I want to pray. I'm just going to pray over us this morning, and you just believe with me today. And so, Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the Word that's come over our house today. I thank you, Father. We make a fresh commitment today to surrender everything to you. Whether we're in the room today and we've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, maybe at one point in time we were saved, but we want to go back to the loving arms of the Father, or maybe today we're standing in good standing with you and we're saved, we're washed in the blood of Jesus. Wherever we are today, Lord, we just once again, out of our own mouths, we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that you are Lord. I thank you that salvation is now in Jesus' name. Thank you. We're washed by the blood and we're led by the good shepherd. So today, Lord, we surrender everything to you today. We know that you are leading us into life and blessing. You're leading us into life and life more abundantly. So we trust fully in you. We trust in your goodness. We trust that you're preparing a table for us in the middle of our adversaries and our enemies. You're anointing our head with oil, Father, and our cups run over. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life as we follow the voice of the Good Shepherd. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. Will you give God a hand clap of praise today in the room? Amen.